Hi, and welcome back to the Magic in the Moon podcast. As always, I am your host, David. I'm super excited this week, everyone. We are going to be continuing our series on divination. And last week, I explained kind of just in the general sense what divination is. I gave a little bit of some examples about um, different methods of divination across different cultures and historical times. And I briefly talked about tarot. So today I'm going to be going um, on a deep dive into tarot. So I'm gonna be explaining what tarot is, the origins of it, how it's used. And then I'm gonna get into specifics of how you actually do a reading and meanings of specific cards and things like that. Um, And as of course, with anything else I talk about on the show, this is my opinion. It may differ from yours significantly or might be the same. Either way, I encourage everyone to do their own research and come to their own conclusions. And of course, um, tarot is a very deep and varied topic. So depending on how long this goes, I may not be able to cover everything I would like to. So if we don't quite get through all the information, I might make a part two to this episode. So we'll see. So introduction to tarot. Um, The origin of tarot is a mystery. We know it was used as a card game in Italy in the 14th century. And that's all we really know about its origins. But in the 18th and 19th centuries, tarot was rediscovered by scholars of the occult, and they recognized that the card's images were more profound than just a card game would suggest. And they connected tarot to the Egyptian mysteries, hermetic philosophy, the Kabbalah, alchemy, and other mystical systems. Tarot became incorporated into the practices of secret societies like the Order of the Golden Dawn, and tarot has roots in occult tradition, but over time has come to reflect many different perspectives with specific decks and themes reflecting these ideas. And what I mean by that is even though tarot has kind of a specific origin, it has evolved and changed over time to incorporate new themes, new ideas. And that's why we have like very specific themed decks now. That's why there might be like a goddess wisdom tarot deck. There might be a Halloween themed tarot deck. There might be like a druidry themed deck. Um, there are decks themed around specific uh, Sabbaths of the Wheel of the Year. I, uh, my favorite deck to use is called the Wild Unknown Tarot, and it's very nature-based. Um, so tarot is most commonly used as a tool of divination. The reader will shuffle, then cut the deck, then lay out the cards in a chosen pattern, which is called a spread. That's something that you've probably heard a lot before, especially if you've done some research on the internet, you'll hear someone talk about a tarot spread, or I like to use a Celtic cross spread, or a clarity spread, whatever. The spread just means that it is the chosen um, pattern that the reader is choosing to organize the cards in. And there are different patterns and spreads and they mean different things. Um, I'm not really gonna get too much into spreads today just for the sake of time, but just know that there are many different kinds of spreads and I encourage you to experiment and find a spread that works for you. So the tarot system has no supernatural ability of its own. Um, but rather it represents an open-ended image for us to project meaning onto. So the tarot cards themselves are not magical, mystical, supernatural in any way. It is a tool for you to use your own magic and your own intuition, and that is why it is significant. So there are countless possible stories that can be interpreted from a card, but the point is the reader will choose one because it is human nature to project unconscious material onto objects in our environment. And this is the case with tarot cards as well. So for example, if I do a reading and I draw a card, let's say it's the five of swords. 
in that image, I'm, when I use describe images today, I'm gonna to be using just a standard Rider Waite Smith tarot deck. So that way the imagery is a little bit more universal. So say I pull a five of swords and there's gonna be um, a man kind of close to the front of the card. He's gonna be holding three swords. There's gonna be two men further away in the distance that have one sword each. So I might look at that card and think, oh, maybe these guys were fighting and the dude with three swords won and that's why he has three swords. But someone else might look at it and say, oh, maybe the two men in the distance were fighting and the three-sworded guy stopped the fight and kind of brought peace to the situation. So the point is, it's human nature to project our own meaning onto things like this, and tarot is no exception. So even though there are kind of agreed upon interpretations of certain things, tarot by nature and divination as a whole really is very much based on your own intuition. So whatever conclusion you come to and whatever resonates with you is correct. There's not really a right or wrong way to go about it to an extent. Um, so this process of projecting our unconscious onto material objects to give them meaning is very common. It's human nature and therapists and psychiatrists have been aware of this for a very long time and they have created tools to assist with this process. So like an example of this is like an ink blot test, right? Just kind of a formless blob and then whatever image you project on it or associate it with is what it means for you. Projection is why the cards are valuable. They're effective at tapping into the unconscious and this projection is tarot's personal aspect, but tarot also has a collective component. So as humans, we all have needs and experiences in common. The cards capture these commonalities and draw them out. And people tend to react to certain cards in similar ways because they represent archetypes of the human experience. So this is what I mean. Um, while everyone is gonna have a personal perspective on a card and its meaning and how it relates to you, there are also kind of this human experience archetypal meaning that cards have as well. So the significance and the helpfulness of tarot is this kind of combination of personal meaning and collective meaning. So you will likely have your own personal understanding of cards and their meanings, but you'll be supported by the collective understanding of them as well. So when we do a tarot reading, we select certain cards by shuffling, cutting, and then dealing the deck. And although this process seems random, we assume the cards we pick are special, which is the whole point of tarot, is to receive messages from the certain cards you're meant to see at that time. So if the cards are chosen by chance, someone might ask, how do they have any kind of special meaning if it's random? But I think we need to really look at randomness more closely. So when we say that an event is random, it means that it is a result of chance, and an interaction of mechanical forces from a set of possible outcomes, all of which are equally likely, but only one occurs for no particular reason. So in plain English, <laughs> that just means a random event is when forces interact um, by chance and all of the possible results are equally likely, but just one of those results happens for no reason in particular. But this definition of randomness includes two key assumptions about random events. The first assumption is that random events are the result of mechanical forces. And the second assumption is that random events have no significant meaning. But tarot is not only the result of random mechanical forces. Tarot is a result of a series of conscious choices. You choose to buy a deck. You choose to study tarot and learn how to read the cards. You choose to cut and spread the card a certain way, 
and you choose to use your own perception and to study the cards and how to interpret them. So at every step of this process, we are actively involved. So one could argue that it is random, but our inner state of unconscious is often tied to our outward choices in ways that we don't really understand yet as humans. So that's why it's significant. So yes, there's a random chance aspect, but our interaction of our subconscious self and our intuition as it interacts with the cards was what makes this significant and what makes it special. And as um, a neuroscientist or a psychiatrist could tell you, as humans, we are really not that aware yet of the ways that our unconscious mind affects our outward choices. We know very little about that. So moving on to some things about cards. So a standard tarot deck is going to consist of 78 cards, which are going to be divided into two sections, the major arcana and the minor arcana. The word arcana means mystery or secret, and the alchemists of the Middle Ages, they believed that the arcana were the secrets of the universe and of nature. So the major arcana consists of 23 cards, and they're kind of the heart of the tarot deck. Um, they consist of archetypes, which are consistent directing patterns of influence that are an inherent part of human nature. So each card in the major arcana has a name and a number. So some names convey a card's meaning directly, like strength, justice, temperance. They kind of just mean what they say. But other cards are individual characters who personify a particular approach to life. This might include the magician or the hermit. There are also cards with astronomical names, like the star, the sun, and the moon. And these represent the elusive forces associated with celestial bodies. So the major arcana are special because they draw out deep and complex reactions. And many interpreters view the major arcana as showing the different stages of an individual's journey of self-growth. And this journey is sometimes called the fool's journey. So that's the major arcana. Now let's talk about the minor arcana. The major arcana expresses universal themes, but the minor arcana brings those themes into practical applications. So the minor arcana represents the concerns, activities, and emotions that occur in everyday life. There are 56 cards in the minor arcana. They're divided into four suits, which are wands, cups, swords, and pentacles. So when I say suits, this is not unlike regular playing cards, right? If you get a regular just a deck of playing cards, there's going to be hearts, spades, clubs, and diamonds. So in tarot, the suits are wands, cups, swords, and pentacles. The suit of wands are the suit of creativity, passion, action, and movement. They're associated with enthusiasm, adventure, risk-taking, and confidence, and they tend to have a masculine energy and are associated with the element of fire. Cups are the suit of emotion and spiritual experience. They describe the inner state, feelings, and relationships. They're usually associated with a feminine energy and the element of water. The next suit is swords, which is the suit of intellect, thought, and reason, and they're concerned with justice and truth. The suit of swords reveals how our intellect can affect our well-being, either positively or negatively. They're usually associated with the element of air and have a masculine energy. The fourth suit is pentacles. The pentacles are the suit of practicality, security, and material concerns. They tend to have a feminine energy and are associated with the element of earth, and they reveal our relationship to nature and physical, tangible things. So each minor arcana suit has a distinct quality all of its own, and our everyday experiences are a blend of these four approaches. So when you do a tarot reading, 
it's going to reveal how these energies impact your life at any given moment. So like the energy of wands flows outward and generates passionate involvement. The ability of water to flow and to fill up a space and to sustain and reflect change makes it perfectly uh, symbolize the energy of the suit of cups. The suit of swords energy is like an empty sky. It reminds us that an undisciplined mind will lead you astray and that you need a balance of knowledge and wisdom. The suit of pentacles makes us aware of our physical bodies and how we rely on the natural world and material things. It grounds us with a reminder that even though we are spiritual beings, we are still anchored to reality by a physical body that has wants and needs of its own. So the suits are structured similarly to regular playing cards. They have 10 numbered cards, which is ace through 10, and four court cards, which are king, queen, knight, and page. So let's talk a little bit about what that means. So aces or ones. Um, an ace card announces the theme of the suit. So for example, the ace of cups stands for love, emotion, intuition, and intimacy. And these are all ideas explored in other cards in the suit of cups. An ace card always has a positive meaning and it represents the best that a particular suit has to offer. So next is the middle cards, which are two through five. Each of the middle numbered cards represents a different aspect of that suit. So for example, um, the suit of wands explores different aspects of personal power, like card two. Um, it might talk about leadership, which would be three of wands, or excitement, which would be the four of wands, and competition would be represented by the five of wands. Um, a card may also approach an idea from multiple perspectives at the same time. Um, an example of that would be the five of pentacles. It might represent um, the many different ways of want. Um, it might represent hardship and financial want. It could represent illness, which would be a physical want, or maybe rejection, which would be an emotional want. So next, let's talk about tens. A ten makes the themes introduced by the ace, and it brings that theme to its logical conclusion. So for example, if you take the love, intimacy, and emotion of the ace of cups, you will find the joy, fulfillment, family, and security represented by the ten of cups. So next, let's talk about court cards. Court cards are people with personalities that reflect their suit or their rank. They show us certain ways of being in the world so we can use or avoid those styles when appropriate. So the court cards are kings, queens, knights, and pages. A king is mature and masculine. He is a doer and has an outward action-oriented focus on life. A king represents mastery, authority, and control over whichever area that the suit represents. So for example, if the suit of cups has to do with feelings and emotion, the king of cups is gonna be the master of feelings and emotion. The queen, a queen is mature and feminine. She embodies the qualities of her suit rather than acting them out. So the king is like doer, it's action oriented, and the queen is kind of just embodies those qualities instead of performing them. The queen's focus is on inward and her style is relaxed and natural. She is less concerned with the results and more concerned with enjoying being in the world. She's associated with feelings, relationships, and self-expression. The knight. The knight is an immature teenager. He cannot express himself with balance, and he swings wildly from one extreme to the other as he tries to relate to the world around him. But despite that, he's also eager and sincere, and those are his redeeming qualities. A page. The page is playful and childlike. He acts out the qualities of his suit with pleasure and abandon, and his approach isn't really deep, but it is easy, loose, and spontaneous. He's a symbol of adventure 
and possibility. So that was kind of a brief and a quick overview of the meanings of certain categories of cards. So I'm gonna spend the rest of our time explaining individual cards and some examples of what they could mean. So let's talk about aces. So the ace of wands. So a wand is like a strong masculine object and it's alive with force. A wand is gonna remind you of power and magic and miracles. So the ace of wands represents creativity, enthusiasm, courage, and confidence. The ace of cups. A cup is an open and feminine object and it's a receptacle designed to hold nourishing liquid. The ace of cups represents emotion, intuition, intimacy, and love. Ace of Swords. A sword's a weapon. It's a crafted tool that cuts through obstacles and confusion. The Ace of Swords represents mental clarity, truth, justice, and fortitude. The Ace of Pentacles. The pentacle is a magical sign of the natural world's mysteries and of our daily lives. And it appears on a coin. It represents money and material things. So the Ace of Pentacles represents prosperity, practicality, security, and manifestation. Let's talk about twos, the two of wands. It represents having personal power, being bold and showing originality. The two of cups is about making connections and calling a truce and acknowledging attractions. The two of swords is about blocking emotions, avoiding the truth and being at a stalemate. And the two of pentacles is about juggling multiple things at once, being flexible and adaptable and having fun. Threes. The Three of Wands is about exploration, having foresight, and demonstrating leadership qualities. The Three of Cups is, is about feeling exuberant and excited. You're enjoying friendship and community. The Three of Swords is about heartbreak and feeling lonely and isolated. This might mean that you've experienced maybe a betrayal or a loss of trust. The Three of Pentacles has to do with cooperation. You are planning, you're working diligently, you're part of a team. Four. So Four of Wands is celebratory, you're seeking freedom and you're excited. The Four of Cups is um, you're kind of withdrawing inward, you're feeling aloof and apathetic and maybe a little bit self-absorbed. The Four of Swords is about resting and kind of just quietly thinking and preparing. The Four of Pentacles is about um, desiring to acquire material things, maintaining control, and sometimes this can mean that you are being resistant to change. Five. So the five of wands is a symbol of like disagreement. You might be being overly competitive and you might be experiencing some roadblocks. Five of cups. This might mean you've suffered a loss. You're feeling bereft, regret. Maybe you wish you had said something differently, done something differently, or maybe you have come to the end of a relationship or a friendship. Five of swords. You were acting in your own self-interest. You're being selfish. Um, you might've seen someone be disrespectful and it's affecting you and there's just kind of a general lack of harmony. Five of Pentacles is you're experiencing hard times. It could be you lost a job, you're running out of money, maybe you're sick, maybe you emotionally are distraught. Six, is, six of Wands is triumph, you were receiving praise, you worked hard, and your hard work is being recognized by other people. Six of Cups, um, you're experiencing goodwill. Maybe people have blessed you with a new opportunity or they've given you a gift. Um, you're enjoying innocence and focusing on the childhood. Maybe this means that you're feeling nostalgic or maybe you just feel like life is simple and easy to enjoy right now. Six of Swords, you could, in a very literal sense, you could just be traveling. That could be you know just going to a new place, a vacation, a trip. Maybe you're moving or you got a new job. 
This could also be that you're recovering from an illness or injury. It could also be that you're feeling kind of sad and that you're coming out of a funk. Six of Pentacles kind of has a duality to it. So it has to do with resources, knowledge, and power. So it could be that you have those things or that you don't have those things and you need them. Depends on the context of your reading. Sevens. Seven of Wands is about being aggressive, defiant, and showing convictions. This can be good or bad. This could be that you need to chill out and you're being a little too much. This could also just mean that you're standing up for yourself and what you believe in. Seven of Cups. Um, usually this is about a kind of a disconnect. So maybe you're indulging in wishful thinking, you're having some like unrealistic daydreams, you're not really uh, being very practical, but it could also mean that you just have a lot of options presented to you at one time and that you don't quite know what to do. Seven of Swords. Um, this could be that you have done something dishonorable, maybe you haven't been super honest or transparent. This could be that you are being kind of a lone wolf, but you're not relying on other people to help you, even though maybe you need to. It could also be that you're running away from responsibility. Seven of Pentacles. Um, this usually means you're thinking about change. You're kind of thinking about what your options are, and maybe you have just received a reward for something, and you're kind of figuring out what you need to do. Eights. So the Eight of Wands. Um, this means you're taking quick action. You've just got some new information. You've decided something really quickly. It's about quick, decisive decision making. The Eight of Cups. So this is um, you. Maybe you're feeling tired and kind of overwhelmed. But it could also mean just that you're being very introverted because you were doing a lot of research and you're seeking out a deeper meaning. Eight of Swords. Um, this might mean that you're feeling restricted or confused or powerless. And the Eight of Pentacles is that you're showing diligence and you're increasing your knowledge, you're paying attention to detail. Nines, Nine of Wands, you are defending yourself, you're persevering. You can, if you get knocked down, you're getting back up and you're showing that you can work hard even when it's difficult. Nine of Wands is having your wish fulfilled. Um, Something that you wanted for a long time has finally happened and you feel satisfied and you're enjoying the fruits of your labor. Nine of Swords. Um, this might be that you're suffering anguish. Maybe a loved one has passed away or just has otherwise left being a part of your life. Um, you're worrying, you're feeling guilty, you're feeling anxious. And yeah, not great. Nine of Swords. Uh, excuse me, I just read that. It's going to be uh, Nine of Pentacles. So this is self-discipline it's like this is like i'm relying on myself not in the bad way like seven of swords this is more so like i'm independent i'm self-reliant i don't need people to take care of me i can handle things on my own because i'm responsible and i'm mature and you're kind of um self-controlled and self-disciplined tens so ten of wands um you're overextending you're trying to do too much at the same time and you're struggling ten of cups you are peaceful um, your family and home life is going great. You're feeling joyful and happy. Ten of Swords, um, you've bottomed out. You feel like a victim. You've hit the lowest of low. You're at rock bottom, and there's nowhere to go but up. Ten of Pentacles, um, you are following traditions. You are staying within things that are already established, and you know that they are tried and true, and that they work. You're going on a path that is already carved out. So this is the numbered cards. We're going to move on quickly to the work card. So pages, page of wands. This is being creative, enthusiastic, and courageous. Page of cups. This is about being emotional, intuitive, loving, and intimate. Page of swords is about using your mind and your intellect. It's about being honest, just, and fair. The page of pentacles means that you're impacting people in a positive way. You're being practical. 
trustworthy and prosperous. Knights. Um, so the knight cards are going to have a duality to them because like I explained earlier, the knight is kind of like um, an angsty teenager and they kind of go from one extreme to the other. So I'm going to give examples of the positives and the negatives of the knight cards. So the knight of wands is charming. You know what to say and how to say it or superficial if you're shallow and fake. Self-confident or cocky. So you could be have just a really good natural self-esteem and you think highly of yourself. It could also mean that maybe you're kind of arrogant and proud. Um, daring or reckless. You know, daring, you're adventurous, you're spontaneous, you're fun. Reckless maybe means you don't care enough about practical things and safety and you kind of just do things without thinking about the consequences. Adventurous or restless. Adventurous, like you're so exciting and you're new. You love to try new things, but it could also mean that you just don't know how to be at peace and sit still. Passionate or hot-tempered. This could be that you're sensual and exciting and romantic, and you are very in touch with your emotions, but it could also mean that you are very quick to become angry. So the Nine of Cups. Romantic or over-emotional. So you're romantic, you're sweet, you're charming, but also maybe you um, get in your feels a little bit too much, too extreme could be imaginative or impractical. Imaginative, you have great ideas, you have great plans, you're a dreamer, you're a thinker. It could also mean that you are not really very grounded and you tend to think of things in an unrealistic way. Sensitive or temperamental. So sensitive, like you're in touch with your feelings, you're expressive, you're an emotional person, you're emotionally intelligent, or it could be that you are prone to mood swings and you don't have a very good sense of self-control or awareness. So refined or arrogant. You're refined, you appreciate the finer things in life, you're cultured, you're artistic, you're well-read, but it could also mean that you're kind of a know-it-all and think that you um, are above other people. Introspective or reclusive. So this could mean that you just, you're very aware and observant, you kind of withdraw inward, you know yourself well, or it could also mean that you're kind of a hermit and that maybe you don't um, interact with the world in a way that's very healthy. So the Knight of Swords. This could be direct or rude. Direct is like you're blunt, you say things as they are, you're very straightforward, or it could also be that you're just rude and you say whatever you want to without thinking about how that will affect other people. Um, authoritative or overbearing. So authoritative is like, I'm in control, I have leadership qualities, I'm doing what I need to do. Overbearing might just be that you're a nitpicker or that you kind of exert your force over people in a way that's not appropriate. Um, so knowledgeable or know-it-all. Knowledgeable, like you're well-read, you're educated, you know your shit, you know what you're talking about. Know-it-all, of course, means that you like you pipe in when you shouldn't and that you think you're better than people. Logical or unfeeling. So, like, logical, it's like you have a practical mind. You're like, we have to do A, B, C. I'm thinking of things in a practical way, but it could also be that you are not very in touch with your emotions and you tend to think more than you feel. So the last night card is the Knight of Pentacles. This could mean you're determined or stubborn. So determined is like you're just focused on a goal. You're not going to get discouraged. You're going to keep on keeping on, even though it's hard. But it could also be that you're stubborn and you don't know when you need to do something differently or maybe do something else. Cautious or unadventurous. So cautious is like you're being safe. You're thinking through the options. You're being um, considerate and aware of things to protect yourself. But unadventurous means maybe you're so afraid of trying new things that you just never do. Realistic or pessimistic. Realistic is that you're not a wishful thinker. You see things as they are. You expect the best, but uh, prepare for the worst. But pessimistic means you kind of assume the worst and you're just kind of a downer. And you can be hardworking or overly serious. Hardworking is like you're on your grind, you're on your hustle, you're making that money, you're doing what you gotta do. But overly serious means maybe you take work too seriously and you don't enjoy other aspects of life. So 
quickly, we're going to go through queens. So queens, queen of wands is attractive, wholehearted, energetic, cheerful, and self-assured. The queen of cups is loving, tender-hearted, intuitive, psychic, and spiritual. The queen of swords is honest, astute, direct, witty, and experienced. And the queen of pentacles is nurturing, big-hearted, down-to-earth, resourceful, and trustworthy. Really quickly, we're going to do kings. King of wands, creative, inspiring, respectful. And then the king of cups is wise, calm, diplomatic, and diplomatic and caring. King of swords is intellectual, analytical, articulate, just, and ethical. And the king of pentacles is enterprising, adept, reliable, supporting, and steady. So we're coming up on our time, and that's all I have for you guys right now. I'm going to go ahead and make a part two, and we're going to go through the major arcana next time. I will see you guys next week.